This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host and helping take our leadership to the next level is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you once again, Sam. Never gets old. It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> what a treat. And we're, we're in for uh, a real treat today. Uh, we do these from time to time, and uh, it's always uh, informative and, and insightful. And that is our, our leader profiles. Yeah. And so who have you, who have you dug up from the history <laughs> From the, the, the ancient uh, catacombs. Uh, yeah, we uh, a couple of weeks ago we looked at Henry V, the uh, English king that was one of the better ones, and uh, and I thought that we would go back and but it's interesting because for English historians they they see Henry the Fifth as one of the better ones and that was quite successful actually basically conquered France and became king of France and king of England which is yeah. quite a feat but uh, but but I wanted us to look at a different age and. Uh, different set of rulers, and that is, I wanted to look at the Roman Emperor Trajan today. Uh, And Sam, I I know that you often refer to Trajan and leadership lessons you've learned from him over the years. Well, there's just, there's some timeless, uh, (laughs) timeless lessons that that he has uh, Uh, learned for. Trajan's probably not one of the emperors that we know of as much. Some are so notorious. Uh, Of course, um, you've got Julius Caesar, who technically is not a Roman emperor, but he kind of, he paves the way for them. And then his his adopted nephew, Octavius, who becomes Augustus, becomes the first, technically the first Roman emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then there's just a number along that line. You've got Tiberius, who comes after uh, Augustus, and he's kind of a brooding, uh, antisocial guy with lots of issues. And he's the one that uh, will be ruling during much of Jesus's life. Uh, and uh, and that he is the emperor at that time. And, uh, and then you've got a couple others uh, at that time, like Claudius, uh, that uh, is, he's actually kind of considered to be like to be somehow mentally deficient. He was kind of almost a clown. He was kept in uh, seclusion, but uh, Hmm. he uh, ultimately becomes the emperor. And then he gets, uh, many people feel like he gets poisoned, assassinated by by Nero. I think Caligula's in there too, but but, uh, Nero... Uh, is adopted. Uh, his his uh, mother marries uh, Calig- uh, Claudius, and uh, and so Nero becomes this uh, egotistical, kind of neurotic, immoral, uh, hedonistic uh, emperor. That during his life, uh, the apostle Paul, uh, Peter, probably both of them are going to be executed under his rule. Um, and so Nero is so bad, and uh, People turn against him, so that there's uh, eventually there's an armed uh, insurrection, and uh, and so there's a couple of different people that all begin to vie for to take over for Nero. Nero, as a, as an army is marching toward Rome to uh, capture him, he he ultimately commits suicide. There's some debate. He was at, he's pleading with people to to kill him because he didn't have the nerve to. to kill himself, but he, he, he knew he needed to die. He'd rather die at his own hands than at his enemy's hands. But uh, 
he dies a very tragic, ignoble sort of a death. Uh, and then there's a, a, a period of time where several people kind of battle it out uh, mm-hmm. to who's going to take Nero's place. Uh, it, it's called even like the, the period of three, three emperors where in kind of a rapid succession there's uh, a lot of turmoil. But, uh, but under Nero, while Nero is, is ruling, uh, some of the, the Judean uh, wars take place where the uprising of the zealots and uh, ultimately Messiah, where Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and so on. And, uh, and so Nero uh, eventually assigns a general to go over to, uh, to Israel area and to subdue it. And he sends uh, Vespasian, who's, a, who's a, a trusted general, and, uh, and so Vespasian, uh, and he brings his son Titus with him. And so they conquer the, the land and ultimately develop a strong army over there. Vespasian's a good general. Titus, his son, is good at leading. Titus apparently is the one that ultimately will, will bring down Jerusalem and, and capture it and so on. And, uh, and so eventually Vespasian comes back with his army uh, and kind of settles all the problems in, in uh, Rome. And he takes over as, uh, as the, the emperor and finally brings peace. The, the fighting's over. He's kind of, he's the last man standing with all the different uh, conflicts. And so Vespasian takes over. But, but Vespasian had uh, one of his lieutenants, one of his trusted um, officers, is actually uh, Trajan's father. And so uh, Trajan's father actually was, uh, it looks like he's probably was uh, raised or lived in what would be Spain. Uh, and so uh, Trajan's family's not, they haven't been like a, a royal family, like a, an aristocratic family in Rome for, for you know generations, like some of the old, other old families. They actually kind of grew up out in the, the frontier in Spain. But uh, through just some fortune and good hard work, um, his father uh, ingratiates himself to Vespasian. And so, so Vespasian uh, w- likes this man and wants to honor him. And so he actually makes him a consul eventually, which is he probably may have been the first person uh, born in one of the provinces like Spain that will rise all the way to be a consul in Rome. But uh, mm. And so because, uh, because his father is a very good administrator, he's a good officer in the army, he's very loyal to Vespasian, it opens doors for his son. And his son is being raised in, again, kind of the, the royal um, nursery, if you will, uh, where Vespasian has a son, Titus, uh, that uh, is now a young adult and he's uh, ruling, he's an officer and so on in the army, but he has a younger son, Domitian. And, uh, and Domitian is just a, a strange kind of person. Uh, he's not very likable, brooding. Uh, he has a much more charismatic, likable older brother, Titus, that everybody likes. And Domitian, he, if, if I'm not mistaken, he would be ruling during the time that John's exile right. on Patmos and right. writing Revelation, Revelation and all that. Yeah, okay. when you're talking about the dark, uh, you know, looming persecution and uh, all that, uh, that that's Domitian. And so he he kind of shows up as kind of the last emperor that's 
I don't know if he's mentioned in the, in the Bible, but we, we just know from the dating that he would have been the last emperor that ruled when the, the New Testament's still being written. Mm-hmm. And so, so what happens is uh, Vespasian eventually dies and his son Titus takes over. And Titus is, uh, he is uh, gifted in many ways like his father, charismatic leader, uh, but he dies quite early, catches a disease and... Um, and so, actually, in fact, uh, the 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 Roman Colosseum uh, is finished under Vespasian and, and Titus, I believe. Mm. And and much of the money they use to build it is taken from the temple in Jerusalem, they, from the treasures they took there. They right? Isn't like I think I heard this maybe when when we visited the Colosseum, but I think there was gold and such on the outside of the Colosseum all around it, you know, particular, you know, ornamental things. And I think some of that gold was just melted down from gold that came from the temple, I think. Yeah, the the temple had a lot of money in it because Jews all over the world would send, would pay a yearly offering and there was all kinds of um, money collected. And so, uh, yeah, they just took just caravan loads of, of money back and, and used a lot of it to, to build it, finish that that Colosseum and so on. So when you think about the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, and then you see the Roman Colosseum, you kind of see what where that went. And mm. so, but Titus dies fairly early. And so he's still a relatively young man. And so nobody wanted Domitian, his younger brother, to be the emperor. But all of a sudden he is thrust forth. And Domitian knows. I mean, a lot of people have not treated him well. They don't like him. They they think they can get away with being rude to him because he's got a brother that's not that much older that will be theoretically ruling for a long time. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Domitian is the yeah. emperor. And Titus doesn't leave a son or somebody to take his place. And so uh, Domitian is, um, he's brooding. He's, uh, he's uh, distrusting. He doesn't like people. Domitian's the kind of guy that if he had to come to a, like a, a, a royal dinner or something like that, uh, a state dinner, he wouldn't eat hardly a thing there, and then he would just go back to his place and have eat there. And he didn't trust really to eat food uh, given in just normal settings like that, and he'd rather be alone. He'd rather go walk alone, be alone, than uh, to be with people. And so he does, uh, he does a lot of different things that become very unpopular, he, he was a very unpopular uh, emperor, and and some of that also is because he's ultimately going to be murdered, and like a lot of the emperors were. Uh, it's interesting because those emperors were so powerful in so many ways, and yet so many of them died unnatural deaths. Yeah, uh, you just go down the line, and and uh, it seems like most of them did not die normal deaths, and so yeah, I don't, it seemed that uh, emperor was not a job you t- typically retired from. No, you you were <laughs> retired from it, but uh, yeah. not of your own choice. And uh, it's it said that Domitian actually kept a book under his pillow where he slept and it and he kept a list of the people that he feared that he worried about that did, he didn't trust and and basically mm-hmm. if you were on that list he was always plotting how to kill you how to how to remove you and apparently at one point his wife uh found the book and discovered that a lot of his household servants the people that were around him all the time that the, and I think maybe even his wife, their names were all in the book. And so if you found your name in the book, you knew that your days were numbered. 
And so his own household staff uh, ultimately rise up against him and stab him to death, and uh, he dies. And um, and uh, and so they. It looks like there's, of course, there's a lot of secrets kept, and uh, there's a lot of speculation. This is a long time ago, so yeah. first century, and so they're not. But it appears as if, uh, and they never really implicated any senators, any people in government like that, but. It just appears by the way that they very quickly uh, bring forth a uh, replacement and the Senate all finds in favor that uh, probably it was pretty widespread conspiracy to get rid of this very unpopular uh, emperor. And so a man by the name yeah. of Nerva is made emperor. He's, he's already about 62 or 63 years old. And uh, he's not a very dynamic person. He's just kind of considered a safe person that... Uh, it's not going to be harsh. They, they don't think he's going to, you know, murder a bunch of people in in the wake of his coming to power, um, and so he's quite. He, he immediately uh, releases kind of lessens a lot of the restrictions that Domitian had. Domitian was hunting down various people and 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 and, and executing and exiling people that he uh, was upset with, and and so uh, Nerva kind of stops a lot of that and he gives a lot of freedom again and of course it would be kind of like living under a dictator uh you didn't want to say anything in public because if you got in Domitian's little book if he didn't yeah. like you then you're in big trouble and so you just didn't speak out freely you were always in, living in fear and yeah uh and so Nerva comes and says hey you don't need to worry about that anymore we're you know things are good now and there's freedom once again but unfortunately there's some folks that uh, take that too far, and of course, that's always a, that's always an issue in leadership. Is and of course, Machiavelli is the one who posed the question: Is it better to be loved or feared? And everybody feared Domitian; no one loved him. But Nerva comes back and like he's going to be the nice guy that everybody's going to love. Yeah. And uh, and so one day, the Praetorian Guard, which was was the royal bodyguard of the emperor, about five thousand soldiers. You technically you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't bring an army into Rome. Uh, that was it. Wasn't legal to do that because you didn't want generals to just march in with their army and take over the government. So you couldn't do that. The only soldiers allowed in Rome was the Praetorian Guard, which was the the bodyguard. But it's about five thousand. It was it was a small army, and you paid the Praetorian Guard much better than you paid a normal soldier. And so it was quite a prestigious job, kind of the elite troops and. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to make sure if the Praetorian Guard was loyal to you, you you slept better at night if you were the emperor. And so yeah. uh, the Praetorian Guard actually barges into Nerva's palace and and they basically take over and they arrest the people who killed Domitian and they they kill them and um, and they they just basically uh, embarrass Nerva and disrespect him and just kind of tell him how it's going to be and. And so Nerva realizes, okay, the, the army doesn't really respect me, and they don't fear me. I've been too nice to them. And uh, and so he has to just kind of be uh, a little bit more political and astute to figure out how do I kind of gain control and not let the Praetorian Guard just run uh, the country. And so he decides to adopt Trajan. And I don't know that Nerva had any sons of his own, but he decides to adopt Trajan, which makes him his personal heir. Uh, and it doesn't, you can't really 
in that time, you couldn't just sort of say, okay, he'll be the next emperor. All, all, all Nerva could do was say, he'll take over my estate. He'll, I'll hand him my wealth and all my stuff. Uh, but technically, the, the Senate would have to approve uh, Trajan. So, but when Nerva dies, uh, the, the, uh, Trajan had served for years in the army. He had uh, been a, a governor. He had kind of gone through the ranks. Uh, he, was a, a, he was a man that the army respected. Uh, he was good with people. And so very quickly, the Senate, the army, everybody embraces Trajan. They're all happy to have Trajan be the emperor. And, um, and so uh, it's a very smooth transition. But Trajan, uh, much like when we talked about Henry V, he's watched the chaos that has taken place before. He's watched when Domitian was too tight-fisted and dictatorial and people didn't like him and, and they ultimately killed him. And then they saw Nerva trying to be a nice guy and, and he was taken advantage of. And so Trajan's, again, is a, he's a mature, he's... He's paid his dues, he's been paying attention, and he figures out a good leader's got to be both. A good leader's got, you, you, it's fine to be liked, but they, they can't start to take you for granted. They, they've got to respect you. They can mm. like you, but they have to respect you. And so uh, when he comes in, he, uh, he begins to, uh, to, to do some things that endear him to the people. Typically, when you, when you were a new emperor, you would give a gift to all the citizens of Rome, if you can imagine. And hmm. so that would cost you in today's, you know, accounting, you might spend a couple million dollars giving a, a bonus of some kind to every citizen of Rome. So, and of course, everybody remembered how much the, the previous emperor gave. So you didn't want to look cheap. Uh, and you really wanted people to, to like you. You tried to, to give a lot of money. Of course, they had gotten some of that from Nerva, not that long before. And now the, the, he, he's going to have to pay for that. And then you would do things like you would have games. You would sponsor maybe gladiatorial games in the Colosseum, and, and and they'd be free for all the citizens. And so you so you know this is great. The the new emperor came in. It's like saying I got ten free movie passes today. You know by yeah. the the new president gave gave all these freebies and gave everybody a you know thousand uh, dollar check to every household. And you okay, it's great. We got a new you know new leader. And so he would do a bunch of that, but he also arrested the the head of the Praetorian Guard that had embarrassed Nerva and had them executed. And so he was going to uphold to say, okay, I'm going to be real popular with the the people, but I'm also going to send a message, you don't mess with me, uh, you don't come threatening me, uh, you're the one that's going to uh, pay the price. And so early on, he starts to do some things, at, and on one hand, uh, to win the favor of the the masses, but also uh, to let people know you don't you don't take me lightly, don't take me for granted. Uh, I I know what I'm doing. Well, that's a good uh, setting of the stage here for uh, the sort of leader that Trajan's going to be, <laughs> and uh, we'll dive in uh, when we come back. Mark your calendars for May fifteenth to seventeenth, twenty twenty four. Richard is going to be at the Cove at the Billy Graham Training Center. Uh, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. The seminar is going to be on the ways of God, and you can register at thecove.org. We'll leave links for that in the show notes. I will say, if you do sign up for um, the Ways of God conference in May, uh, do let us know, because uh, Richard would love to hear from you. 
Uh, he, he's not able to necessarily eat with everyone, uh, but if you give us enough uh, heads up that you're going to be coming and would love to have a, a meal uh, with Richard, uh, we will definitely uh, do our best uh, to get you on the list and uh, at least be able to share one meal with Richard. So we hope to see you at the Billy Graham Training Center uh, in May. Links to all that will be in the show notes. Well, I like what uh, Trajan did there. He, you know, endeared himself to the masses, but he uh, was very, um, uh, just very deliberate and uh, strategic with sort of the the more ruling classes, if you will, by uh, by executing the the head of the Praetorian Guard. So uh, we we see the sort of stage that uh, Trajan comes in on. Um, what are some things that uh, that he did uh, while he was uh, in control? Well, uh, Gibbon, who wrote the famous book, the series of books, uh, the, the Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, he describes uh, Trajan coming to be the emperor as the beginning of the golden age of the Roman Empire, where mm. it's ruled well, uh, it's successful, it's um, it's governed well, and uh, and he sees Trajan uh, as the first emperor that uh, instead of just being filled with uh, his own pursuit of glory and and, uh, wealth or uh, pleasure that he does a lot of things that make the uh, the Roman Empire much more strong he uh, he encouraged people to to speak out in public Domitian had terrorized people that did that and right uh, but now uh, and again you you see the difference between someone who's uh, insecure and someone who's not Domitian was very insecure, um, was never expected to be emperor in the first place, and he was very sensitive to how people saw him and if they opposed him. Whereas Trajan, after he has solidified his rule, he knows he's secure. And uh, so he knows he can. He doesn't have to be feel threatened by uh, people uh, and their opinions. He also goes back to the Senate that used to be there often was a huge uh, battle between the Senate and the emperor, who's, who's running this country. And senators, uh, traditionally, the Senate was the, the, where the power was. And Senate um, has lost a lot of that power to the emperor. And Trajan, um, he, he meets with the senators. Now, Domitian, some of the emperors like Tiberius and some of the others, they go away to some private island somewhere and spend years not ever even coming to Rome. Like they just couldn't be bothered with the people. But uh, but Trajan uh, he welcomes people to meet with him and he attends meetings and he's present. He's visible. He's laughing. He's calling people by name. Uh, he's participating in the state meals and eating with people and. So there's just a breath of fresh air. Uh, now they know that he's a soldier and that he's a good general and he's could be tough as nails if uh, you cross him. But uh, but as a, a loyal Roman citizen, you came to like him. And he, he did a number of things that uh, uh, endeared him. He, he did a number of things that just made Rome better. He he tried to really secure uh, the uh, corn for food, basically, uh, sec- making sure there's going to be enough food for uh, the citizens. Of course, that's going to help the poor people. The rich people could buy food in different places, but uh, he makes sure there's enough water. He builds an aqueduct. He makes sure that uh, basically if, if uh, he, he, he handles all the kind of 
important things that need to happen. So if there's a famine, if there's a, a, a drought or something that you know the people aren't going to suffer. He the the Tiber River was always flooding. Uh, he um, he's going to build uh, some levees and things to make sure that Rome doesn't get flooded anymore. And um, he builds a lot of buildings, finishes up a lot of buildings that maybe Domitian started, but. Uh, it's just everywhere you, you go in Rome and around the empire, you're finding buildings that were built by Trajan. And, hmm. uh, and so you just feel better. And of course, it's, a, it's a kind of a way of self-promotion. He doesn't name all the buildings after himself, but, um, but he, he'll take credit for them. And, um, and, it's, and also, it's interesting, back in that day, a lot of the written documents uh, don't exist anymore, but... Uh, but a lot of the coins do, and if you watch, whenever he mints new coins, it's uh, it's propaganda, and he kind of mm. identifies himself with Hercules, with Zeus. Zeus is kind of his main god, which of course is the the head god, and so he he goes right to the top, um, mm. and so he's constantly finding ways to kind of promote himself as a benevolent dictator, essentially, um, and the the comment the, the the author of this book. Uh, says ultimately that uh, he may have been more of a dictator than than uh, Domitian was, it's just that he was a benevolent dictator, <laughs> and you didn't mind letting him control things as much because he didn't have to rule with he ruled with a firm hand, but not not terror, not hmm. fear. Uh, and so one of the things he also does is that he goes around under Nerva, being a nice guy, a bunch of bad. Uh, government officials came in that were lazy, that were corrupt, and he kind of just that he just didn't want to, you know. He kind of gave in to people who pushed their way in, or they had friends in high places. Uh, Trajan goes around and starts removing all those people and puts in good uh, leaders and administrators that are efficient, that are reliable, that do a good job, and so a lot of the provinces start to prosper as well and uh and rome begins to experience a lot of prosperity um and uh and and yet he he also develops uh, a bureaucracy where people answer directly to him they don't answer to the senate they don't answer to other officials he he has very efficient good administrators who all answer to him and so that's why the author says ultimately at the end of the day he he ruled uh, Rome with a much tighter control with really good leaders uh, than had been ruled before. But he typically had good people that did a good job. They weren't corrupt. Uh, they weren't in it to just see how much money they could siphon off from the public purse. But they were administering their territories well and and profiting Rome. And so uh, so people sort of let it go because hey, taxes are down. Uh, we have peace. Uh, there's lots of food. There's lots of gladiatorial games going on in the in the, the Colosseum. So who cares if Trajan is has more control than any emperor before? Yeah. Um, and so he does a few other things. Um, he he uh, att- attacks the Dacian kingdom and uh, and conquers them. And so he adds new territory to Rome. And uh, and has of course he has triumphs that we know from the New Testament, Corinthians, and places where uh, there'll be these big parades celebrating new victories that uh, the the emperor has won, and 
all kinds of treasures will be brought back into Rome. And um, a lot of the, the, the prisoners will be used as gladiators uh, to put on shows for all the Romans. And so, yeah. um, and so he is uh, honored, recognized. Um, and, and the author says that he was typically uh, not a warmonger. He's a soldier, uh, but he's, he's quite pragmatic. He's very practically minded. He wants to just do things efficiently. He, he, he does a lot of things uh, for the welfare of people. He's trying to build up the population. He tries to encourage Romans to have more kids just so that they, they have the people to be soldiers and the population base to keep up their economy and so on, uh, which is going to always be a struggle for Rome. That's why they're going to have to start bringing in uh, more and more barbarians even into to the system because Romans don't produce enough kids themselves mm. to man all the armies. Uh, but eventually, he's going to take on a battle against the Parthians. And the Parthians had been kind of age-old enemies of Rome. They had actually defeated a whole legion uh, earlier under Crassius back in the day when he was uh, Crassus, when he was uh, uh, allied with um, Julius Caesar and Pompey. And, and uh, he's going to go and invade with a large army. And, um, and it's really, the, the author kind of looks at that and says, uh, the kind of questions whether that was necessary or not, whether he was kind of overplaying his hand, whether he was, if he couldn't have used the diplomacy or something else, that he really needed to raise up some new legions and, and spend a bunch of money and go off to war. Um, and he kind of says that, um, you know, when he was younger, I think he was maybe a little more cautious. I think when he gets older, maybe he he's he's been victorious enough times and always won and maybe he just is getting careless but he mm. kind of gets in a bit over his head i mean he, he init- i mean he wins the battles that he fights but he's moving into a large territory um, that is very hard to govern and that that was always actually the challenge of the roman empire right the the i mean augustus and uh people even in the early days um they they question like how big of an empire can we manage i mean we can keep conquering more lands but then we've got to occupy them we got to govern them we got to fight off insurrections there and invasions and uh how where do you want to draw the line and say here's any empire any bigger than this and it's just take it's just too expensive it takes too big of an army to you got to pay for the army and so right. um and so he probably overextends uh the empire just a little bit it's and interestingly uh they get to winter and so he winters in antioch which we know from the new testament Apparently, it, it suffers a huge uh, earthquake, and all kinds of buildings come crumbling down. A bunch of people die in the in the, the disaster, and they said that he barely escaped himself. He had to climb out a window of the building he was in before it crumbled to the ground. He mm. almost died himself, oh. and it was almost like a almost like a uh, foreshadowing that he had troubled the gods. Maybe his his pride had gotten too great, and he had. Now he was becoming a tyrant or whatever, but uh, he he he's not really ever defeated in battle. But uh, but he he he's another one of these who who starts to get sick, and it it could have been that he's getting older now. Uh, he's tired. He's he's lived many years as a soldier on the field, and uh, and he's worn out. But uh, but he he starts to die, and. Uh, and they they're going to have to pull back from that invasion. And but he's 
He's actually set up his successor. Hadrian is going to be his successor. We kind of know Hadrian from the Hadrian's Wall in uh, in Great Britain, uh, mm-hmm. where he basically had to sort of draw a line and say, "We're not going. We're not going to try to conquer all of Britain. It's too big. It's too much. Uh, we'll draw a line here and keep the barbarians on that side." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but he is able to hand it over. Of course, Hadrian doesn't have the charisma. The same skill set that Trajan had, but uh, he's more of an administrator that kind of tries to consolidate what uh, his predecessor did. But uh, there's Trajan, he's a Roman. He has some vices uh, that people had in that day. Of course, he's not a Christian, not a believer. Uh, he lives in ways that uh, would not morally necessarily be what a Christian would uh, look at. But, um, but in, in terms of wanting to build up Rome and make it stronger, uh, he history is kind to him. Unlike Domitian, where that history says was an awful, tyrannical, evil emperor, uh, they look kindly on Trajan as someone that uh, seemed to put the interest of Rome ahead of his own, uh, mm. and that he, he seemed to like people and uh, to know how to work with them and uh, bring out the best in them. And uh, again, you just see the difference. Uh, in emperors, the emperors having a lot of the same challenges, but but some having such personal battles, character issues that uh, that so much of their reign became about them and their issues instead of ruling the greatest empire the world had ever seen. Hmm. And so Trajan goes down in history as one of the better emperors, uh, accomplishing a lot and um, building a lot, and you can still find. Uh, buildings, ruins uh, that he constructed to, to get a glimpse of just how magnificent uh, Rome was when he finally came to the end of his rule. Wow. And uh, again, tell us the book. It that, is by uh, you Julian reference. Bennett. It's called Trajan Optimus Princeps. All right. Well, we'll leave links to that in the show notes. And once again, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.